Thank you, Steve and worship team. I read once that if you've been friends with someone for over seven years, you're going to be friends with them a long time. Somehow, if you make it past the seven-year mark, you're friends. And I'd like to invite up to the front here a friend that I've, we've been friends with for, I think, 15 years now. So I think, Jensen, we're friends for life. <laughs> um, Jensen's going to be sharing a word with us this week. I'd just like to invite him up, if we can like, welcome him. The last time Jensen preached here, welcome, welcome my brother. The last time Jensen preached here, uh, he shared a lot about some of the, the ministry wounds that he carries and church hurt. And so I just want to thank you for agreeing to come and share. <laughs> he might have a story about that. I'm not sure how much he's going to share. <laughs> uh, it was an interesting week. But um, also just want to welcome him as a, as a co-worker. I've worked with Jensen in two different ministry settings. One, um, uh, facilitating marriage retreats for Keiki Oka'aina and one on staff at a church. And so I'm just so honored that Jensen is here today. And I'm honored to have you share with us from the book of Joseph. Thanks for preaching today. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, we've been friends for so long that it was a hearing problem and a little bit of uh, communication glitch that led me to the pulpit this morning. <laughs> so Easter service, there's a lot of people here, yeah? It was packed last week. It was awesome. Um, I have a hearing problem. I have a hearing problem in both ears. My right ear is worse than my left. Um, Rebecca... Pastor Rebecca approached me and asked me if I wanted to share. And I thought she meant give the message, give the sermon this week or next week. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, my boys don't have baseball on sun the next couple of Sundays. We can totally help out. On Tuesday, I'm at baseball practice. Just got my Bible out and my notebook and ready to start working the sermon a little bit more. And I see the email that Rebecca sends out. And in that email, she says that she's going to be preaching this week. So I text her right away. I say, hey, am I preaching this week or next week? And she's like, oh, that sounds good. I'm like, wait, what? That sounds good. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that likes to text. I don't really talk on the phone too much, but right away, boom. Hey, so what's going on? <laughs> and it all worked out. It all worked out. I'm here preaching this weekend. Um, I'm glad to be back. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've been in the pulpit. Um, God has been doing a lot in my life as well in, as my, uh, the life, my family. But uh, today, I'm going to focus on Genesis 46 and 47. Mostly 46. Um, the title of the sermon is The Famine That Provided. And this particular famine... I know we've been going over the book of Genesis and the story of Joseph, but it provided a reunion. It provided blessings. It provided a time for Jacob to think about what happened in the past, not just in his life, but in his dad's life and his grandfather's life as well. And to see the promises that started to be fulfilled and had yet to be fulfilled. Um... This famine provided a means for survival. Joseph, with all the knowledge that God had given him, was able to save uh, Egypt and that region. And not only that, they were able to start um, basically investing their, their livestock and their other provisions in order to get grain. And it also provided a way for his family to, to flourish 
and the land of Goshen. Um, I have an acronym here called DREAM. The dream led to, Joseph's dream led to this moment, this particular passage. And let's just get right into it right now. Um, Jacob, he's told that his son is alive, and his son is well. And his son is pretty much second in command in all of Egypt. I can't imagine what he's thinking at that point. Like, I'm happy. I'm a little bit freaked out. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to feel, but I think I want to go see my son. On top of that, God is telling him, hey, pack everything up. You're, you're leaving Canaan. You're going to go to Egypt, and you're going you're to live there. There's a lot, of, a lot going on. And from what I read, Jacob is about 130 years old at this time. I don't know too many 130-year-old people. I know being 46 years old, set in my way sometimes, it takes me a while to get ready for certain things. We're talking in the back there right after prayer time that just getting dressed sometimes at, at this age, you got to be strategic in how you put your pants on <laughs> or how you pick up something from the ground. Like you got to put your leg up and bend down. As Rico said, don't sneeze or, while you're bending down because something bad might happen. <laughs> I, I have a herniated disc in my back, and I went to pick up a piece of rubbish one time, just subtly, and I got a back spasm and a pinched nerve. And I couldn't move for like three days. I thought my back broke. I told Kimmy, honey, take me to the ER. She's like, why? I'm like, I think I broke my back. The doctor's like, oh, it's just a pinched nerve and, and a back spasm. But I can't imagine Jacob, God says, um, he said, go. And go down to Egypt. And now he's got to not only get himself ready, he's got to get a whole family ready to get going. And we see here that, that the D for a dream, um, I want to put that out there, is disobedience. I mean, sorry, um, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you got kids, you ever tell them to get ready to go someplace? The first thing they're going to not do is get ready to go. <laughs> Especially if there's electronics involved. I tell my kids, I have a plan. Okay? We're going to, we got to go to a baseball game. We live in Kaniwe. We got to drive to Hawaii Kai. I need to map out which way is the fastest way. Then I got to plan out on what is going to happen. And I keep telling them there's three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and road work someplace. <laughs> Add it with some potholes that you got to avoid along the way. So I told him, your disobedience right now is going to have consequences. I might get a speeding ticket. We're going to be late. If you're late for your game, you got to run extra laps. And then I look like a bad parent because you're late. And I'm just freaked out already. Like... I'm all wired, wired because we're running late. But disobedient, or sorry, delayed obedience is disobedience. And we see here that Jacob or Israel, he just, he went. He got ready. And, and he left. I don't know if he walked partially or if he rode on camel or if he rode on horseback or what. But if you ever rode on a horse in rough terrain, 
you get off of that horse after a few hours and you're walking like this. And all these things about back pain and everything else is starting to come to light, especially after 130 years old. I don't care if you're riding in a chariot or riding in a caravan, all those bumps are going to hurt eventually. But he went. He listened to what God had to say. Second point I want to point out is to recall all that God has done. So God spoke to Israel in a vision. And, oh, well, let's read from verse 1, actually, all the way to verse 3. So Israel set out with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to him in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there, I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring, back, bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. I really like that when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to God. That is a significant place. They built a well there, his family had. Abraham built an altar to God there. Isaac built an altar there. And there his family worship. On top of that well, they built a tamarisk tree that it says in Genesis 29. Now, tamarisk tree is a type of evergreen. And to me, that symbolizes God's promises are everlasting. They're never ending. Despite what the circumstances seems like, his promises will be fulfilled in his time. The other thing about a tamarisk tree is it... Um, it produces some kind of sap that people looked at, and it's, it's kind of like manna, the manna that God provided for his people as they um, escaped Egypt. So you see that at this moment, Jacob chose to worship God. I can't imagine that if I haven't seen my son in 17 to 20-something years, I'd want to get there as fast as I can. I mean, I want to worship God, but I'm like, hey, God, can I just worship you on the way real fast? And I just want to see my son. I haven't seen him in a while. But he took the time. He took the time to recall all that God has promised him, all that God has already done in his life, all that God has done in his dad's life, in his grandfather's life. Recall. And I think it's something powerful as we go through rough times in our lives, as we, we struggle in our journeys to recall the promises of God through his word, but also recall the hands-on miracles that he provided in your life. As I uh, became a Christian, one of my things, being a young adult, was I wanted to find my wife. Uh, we went to uh, this young adult ministry called Extreme that was run by New Hope back in the early 2000s. And basically, it was probably 300-something single people looking for their other half. <laughs> and you, you would see who the real good Bible study teachers were, too. Verse by verse, word by word, they want to they wanna impress their potential partners in life and, and this ministry sometimes. The worship leaders were awesome, man. They, they rocked out. 
And the, the, the pastors preached such good and powerful messages, and the, the fellowship was amazing. And yeah, one of the points to that was people wanted to find their other half eventually. Well, at that time, I literally prayed for three specific things in a wife. First of all, obviously, she had to love God. Second of all, I wanted her to have a heart for the big island because that's where I got saved. That's where I want to go back eventually. And third of all, she needed to be a Denver Bronco fan. (laughs) I am not going to marry a Raider fan, that's for sure. (laughs) I see Kimmy at Hope Chapel, Olomano one day. We're talking story. She loves the Lord. She's beautiful. She... uh, she had, she, her family's from the big island, both parents. She always wanted to go back to the big island. And by the way, not too many girls on Oahu want to go to that slow-paced style on, on the big island. It's too slow for people. So to me, that was a miracle. And we're talking football one day. We're actually talking Fresno State and Hawaii. They had a big game coming up. And I think Rolovic threw like five touchdowns in that game or something like that. And then I'm like, oh, do you like NFL? She's like, yeah. I'm like, who's your team? She's like, Denver Broncos. I was like, oh, you want to have Bible study right now? <laughs> she shut me down. She had, a, she had a boyfriend at that time. As soon as they broke up, we started going to the gym together. And I'll share more of the story of how she shut me down again in Japan. And we eventually got married. <clears throat> but... I recall that because it's something that was, that was important to me <laughs> because I can't imagine her being a Raider fan. We'd have, it would be rough. It would be super rough. We're arguing about Russell Wilson last year and if he should be playing or not or benched. Anyway, recall all that God has done, especially when things seem drastic or things seem dark or It doesn't seem like God is working in your life. It's always good to go back. It's always good to journal and and recall what God has done. And the E is for being eternity minded. Um, I'm just going to reference that. It's um, Genesis 46, 5 to 27. Jacob here, God said that I will bring you back. I will surely bring you back again. But he later on goes to say that Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Jacob knew, Israel knew that he was on his way to Egypt. That God had plans to bless him and prosper him in Egypt. And that he was literally marching towards his death. That that's where he would um, take his last breath. Now, God promised him that, that he would be where, where he, he's been called to be, his whole family. And thinking back, God also told um, Abraham and Sarah in their ripe old age that they're going to have descendants that outnumber the sand of the sea, outnumber the stars in the sky, and that... So from those two people that were beyond childbearing age, God will provide 
a means for um, a numerous amount of descendants. Jacob knew at that time that God was saying that his, these promises would not be fulfilled in his time here on earth, but rather in heaven. The promised land was not going to be Egypt, not going to be Canaan, it's going to be heaven. Heaven is and was his reward, and he knew that. He set out to go there. I recently officiated a funeral for my cousin, 53 years old, died at a young age, sudden heart attack. I was wrestling with the fact that he might not have known Jesus, that I never had that opportunity to share the Lord with him. I, I, I would have a hard time sleeping at night as the, the time came to officiate his um, funeral. Because I didn't want to just be fake and say, oh, he's in a better place, when I did not really know if he was or not. During that, um, that, that time, we had an open mic. And if you have an open mic at a local funeral, it's gonna be there for, you're going to be there for a few hours. <laughs> people shared funny stories, bad stories. Uh, people shared all these, these mixed bag of testimonies about my cousin. Um, this lady comes up right before I was supposed to go up and give the message. And she's like, I got to let everybody here know that Keone knew Jesus. And I was like, what? And I started tearing up. And she said, yeah, last year I saw him at a park playing softball. And I said, oh, you look happy. And he says, I am. And he, she's all, do you know Jesus? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. She's like, no, do you have Jesus in your life? And then he's all, Yes. And she's like, can I make sure? Can you pray with me? And she led him into the prayer. So her premise was, her, her purpose of that moment was to tell his kids, his cousins, his siblings, that you can see Keone another day, but you got to give your life to Jesus. And it was pretty black and white. There's no gray area. And I know that I have a few cousins who are atheists, and I see them kind of like squirming in their seats. I'm like, oh, we're going to have some fun discussions after this. <laughs> but she said that, and you could hear a bunch of amens throughout my family and, and friends that were there. And it brought such a relief to me that my cousin's with the Lord now. Like, she didn't go up there to just say some nice things or say how happy he looked. She went up there with the perspective of eternity. Like right now is a time that I need to share the gospel. And she wasn't really forced for anything either. She just said, if you want to see Keone, Jesus is the only way. And then she's like, oh, you can talk to the kahu that's coming up to talk after if you need to. <laughs> and I, after, that, after that message, I got to talk with a lot of family about Jesus. It was so awesome that my cousin's death and his funeral bought life. There was eternal perspective. Back to his brother that's an atheist. The next night, he comes up to me. He's all, hey, cause I can talk to you. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm an atheist. I know you're, you're a Christian. And I respect everything you have to say. And what do you think about what the lady said? I said, oh, she was spot on. He's like, so I need to know Jesus to see my brother again? I said, yep. And he's all, oh, I never really ever agreed with that. But can I talk to you more about it in the days and months to come? He lives in California. 
And we've been texting back and forth. And he hasn't got to that point yet, but he's opened up. Having that mind of eternity there, what you see here is, is just a scratch. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to strive to receive that reward from God in heaven. We're trying to get other people to have that relationship and to have that peace that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to receive my crown. I'm going to have a glorified body that if I sneeze while bending over, my back's not going to hurt anymore. I'm going to be new. I'm going to be reborn. And I'm going to spend eternity with loved ones that gave their lives to Jesus as well. A is for appreciate those around you. Genesis 46, 28 to 31. Finally, we get to the point of the reunion. Now, I don't know what Jacob was saying on the, along the way to his other sons that decided to sell their younger brother into slavery. But I can't imagine say, him telling his boys or his young adult men or even old adult uh, sons, okay, guys, we're going to set out. We're going we're gonna to cross over to Egypt. It's a long trip. Try not to fight. Try not to kill anyone. Try not to throw anyone into a cistern. In fact, leave all your robes here, please. And uh, Reuben, can you make sure you keep an eye on the rest of your brothers? Because I don't want anybody else to go missing right now. I'm going to see my son right now that I haven't seen in a while. But he sees Joseph, and they embrace, and they're hugging each other, and they're, they're just weeping. They're, it's, it's such a precious moment. They're loving each other, and like every emotion is coming forth. And I love the fact that prior to that, that there was reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers, that he appreciated them for doing what they did because it, it was meant for good. What man has tried to wreck, God has used that for good. Appreciate the people that God has put in your life. And I just want to take this moment to show appreciation to Wellspring Church, Wellspring Covenant Church. As Rebecca said, uh, they've been friends with us for a while. We work together in different places. Um, when my mom was going through her cancer ordeal and she passed away, Wellspring Church was, was there for us. They, they embraced us. The leadership embraced us. A lot of you reached out to us, and I can say without a doubt that you guys helped in the healing process, and I thank you guys for that. Like, thank you so much for what you've done for our family throughout that time and continue to do. I remember Dara was telling us when we were looking for another church to go to, Dara Nakagawa, she said, Wellspring's a place of healing. Like, you guys should go check it out, and I can say that indeed, this church has a, been a place of healing, not just for us, but I know for other people as well. Last week, we had uh, the little boy, Kaikane, um, one of Kimmy's clients here. And a week before that, um, <clears throat> Kimmy said he wasn't eating. He was, he was just not, not having it. She went to go pick him up. She had some mandarin oranges for him, and his spirit were lifted and if you guys were here last week, you saw him running around so joyful. 
And his mom sat in the back, tearing up the whole time, just full of appreciation. Brothers, um, his 20-year-old brother um, almost didn't make it that week, but he was able to make it. God provided a way for him to be there, lifted his brother's spirits up. On top of that, this family, because the mom had to relocate here, they lost their house. Um, the two older boys had to split up and live in different family houses due to lack of space. The older boy had to, had to pretty much move all their stuff out. They had, he had to do all the moving himself. The point I'm trying to make is when they were here in this church, there was healing. They showed appreciation. They appreciated the love and the aloha that this church had. I want to encourage you all to continue to, to express that love through the backpack drive, through helping move things, and through just being available, showing appreciation for one another, showing appreciation for what God has done, and showing appreciation for the people that God has placed in your life. Last point I want to make is to magnify God through it all. And you can see in chapter 47, that whole thing was pointing not to Joseph, but to the way that God was working in the life of Joseph. Can you imagine the trials that he went through, being rejected? I mean, he went from a prideful young man that was broken down and built up to a man that showed grace, that was gracious, that was thankful for these opportunities, that said, hey, brothers, you guys meant harm for me, but don't worry about it, because God had a plan for that. God had a plan for that. You guys meant to harm me based off of stuff that I said, based off of my actions, but God still had a plan. The whole land of Egypt, I guarantee you, when they looked at what Joseph did and all the wisdom that he had, they knew that there was a God behind all of that. Magnify God through all the good, through all the bad, all the trials, all the tribulations. Let him receive glory. Let him receive honor. And let him receive the praise that is due to his name. Just to recap, delayed obedience is disobedience. Recall all that God has done in your life. Be eternity-minded. Appreciate those around you. And magnify God through it all. Let us close in prayer. <clears throat> Father, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life of Joseph. I thank you for what you've done in his life. I thank you for what you've done in the life of Jacob, the life of Isaac, and the life of Abraham. Lord, help us to discern your voice. Help us to understand what you're saying to us, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your call. 
Help us to always go and look back to how you've built our lives, to how you work for our lives. Help us to embed your word into our heart, that our hearts would be filled with your promises, that in times of trouble, Lord, that your promises will come forth versus doubt, versus fear. Lord, I pray that, that as we recall the things that you've done, Lord, that it will give us hope for the present and for the future as well. Help us, Lord, to have the mind of Christ, to think about the big picture, to zoom out when things get crazy, Lord. And to not just have these experiences for ourselves, Lord, but to have others experience your grace and goodness as well. Lord, we want to say that we appreciate you. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will continue to do. We magnify your name. We lift you up, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you are the God in the good, and you are the God in the famine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.